Welcome to the Last Life Ever podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jillian Sidoti. My co-host is Jeffrey Holst. Jeff, who do we have on the show today? Well, the two of us. <laughs> oh, you mean who's our guest? Yes. So our guest today is actually a friend of mine. His name is Ariel Siegelman. And Ariel, actually, we had his wife on recently, so maybe you've seen that episode, Cecilia Cortez. Um, and the two of them are some of the most amazing people I've had the honor of meeting in the last several months. Um, I've known Ariel for, which is about three or four months now, so it's not super long, but we've spent time traveling internationally together. We've um, become fast friends very quickly. He's a... Uh, um, I don't even know how to explain how amazing he is. He's a security expert, right? So he has extensive operational and management experience dealing with things like international security product, uh, projects. Um, he's a Israeli government certified tactical instructor. I mean, that's some hardcore stuff. And I don't want to like blow the surprise, but he is literally like, if I needed someone to protect me, this is who I would go to. And Ooh. you know what? I probably right. do. We'll be back with RL in just a moment. Help me, my brother, can you lend me a hand? As I walk through this land of confusion If we give to each other, then there's nothing to take Let's live life for the moment before it slips away Thank you for being here, my friend. It's so good to see you again. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and I wasn't kidding, by the way. If I was going to hire someone for security, it would definitely be you. And and I said if I needed someone, and I know what you were thinking. You were like, you do need somebody. Everyone needs somebody. Yeah. You hire me now. <laughs> okay, wait a minute, Ariel. So Jeff kind of told me before you came on the program about what you do and what what you're all about and that and that you teach, you know, all governments even how to be more secure but i want to know what should just regular old folks like myself be doing what are what are some of the steps we should be taking to keep our families more secure i i feel pretty secure and we do not take security very seriously around these parts unfortunately and i probably should take it a little more seriously um but what what should we do what are things we can do to be more vigilant um, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think that, you know, I could sit here and tell you some, uh, some ideas about different kinds of equipment or maybe like, oh yeah, go get some training, learn how to shoot a gun, something like that. I don't know. There's a ton of things you could do, but ultimately I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that, like, you feel pretty safe. Um, on one hand, it's, it, I, I don't, I don't try to tell people to walk around feeling afraid. But I think that it's really important to kind of accept the fact that the world is a, the world has risks. It's risky to wake up in the morning. It's risky to get out of bed. Um, and that's okay because there's things you can do to control those risks. And you probably do a lot of things every day that are somewhat risky, like driving a car. 
but you control those risks by being aware of what they are and knowing how to deal with them. So likewise, there are other risks that thankfully in America, we kind of sometimes can forget that, uh, yeah, sometimes there's people who have bad intentions toward you. Um, just having a mindset knowing that like, oh yeah, there could be someone who intends to do me harm. What are some of the, the realistic scenarios that could occur? What are some of the realistic things that, that somebody might try to do to, to hurt what I, who I am, my family, take something from me? And what can I do to just be a little bit more aware and, and, and make sure that, that those kind of things can't happen? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I always, go, I always go back to mindset. Okay. So, well, I mean, I, (laughs) like, I'll just give you a perfect example. We have a fence around my house. Well, nope, that's not true. We don't have a fence around my house. I have a fence uh, of one part of my house. You could easily just like walk around it. I have, I actually have walked around your fence, Jillian. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, um, that's not very secure. I have cameras. We never watched them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, ever. Uh, I'm not sure you should be advertising this. Maybe, maybe a starting point is not telling people you're not watching your cameras. Right. Uh, <laughs> another part is, I mean, but it's on a DVR. So if I had to go back and watch it, I could. Um, I have a huge gun safe, though. No. You could throw that at somebody. Yeah, I could. I well, no, because it's a huge gun safe. Like it's very heavy, but it it only it only holds real guns, and those real guns are called guitars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jeff again is like, oh, don't tell people this. Yeah, no, yeah. I have a huge gun safe, and it's just chock full of guns. Oh, yeah, that's what I keep. In. I do have. I have four dogs. Um, no, so you know that's that's real hurt. security. So, so let's uh, let's use your scenario, just some of the things that you've mentioned, and we can talk about security from that perspective. Um, you know, any of those things are valuable items in a in a security program for your home. Okay. Um, but I think that it's important to remember, like, you start with having a mindset that, like, yeah, something bad could happen. Okay, well, what is it in my home that I want to protect against? Probably you want to probably you want people to feel welcome to come to your home, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, I don't know very many people who want to have a home that feels like a fortress. I know a lot of people who have a home that they want to, you know, they want to feel like it's a home and it's a welcoming environment and it's full of love and care and everything else. However, I know you want me to feel welcome to come into your home if you invite me. Right. But that's the key thing is that you want to know that if you didn't invite me that a, I don't, necessarily feel welcome to be there um that you could stop me from coming in if you don't want me to come in and if i did come in that you have an ability to get me out of your home so security doesn't have to be something that's that's like unhospitable or unwelcoming it just has to be something that's kind of realistic about like oh yeah i have control over my home i don't allow the goodwill of other people to be the determining factor in my security Mm -hmm. So like, let's just say, for example, I, my, uh, my husband is constantly saying he wants to get a gun. Um, I don't, what is like an alternative for, you know, if somebody shows up in the middle of the night, like should we buy bear spray, for example, or a baseball bat? Like what is something we should be having on hand at all times? So I'm going to, I'm going to frustrate you with my answer maybe a little bit. Get the gun. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I won't, I won't say that because um, 
you know, I try to shy away from telling people what they should and shouldn't do, but let's just talk about it from a mindset perspective. Let's talk about it from a scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, guns, I think that when people are afraid of guns, what they're really afraid of is kind of the risk that a gun poses. Mm-hmm. And so a gun is a tool that is a risky tool. There's a, you know, you have to be really safe with a gun. And if you don't know how to use a gun, then it, it, it inherently has more risk. Kind of like if I was driving a car and I didn't know how to drive, I would probably be a pretty risky driver. So, so what I'm re- what I think you're really looking for is it's not about, should I get a gun? Should I not get a gun? It's really about what can I do to effectively have, to effectively create a response capability within my own home. In other words, if somebody came in and intended to do me and my family harm, what item would pose me the, the greatest asset or what items would give me the greatest ability to control that situation and make sure that I can protect my family. Mm. So, so I think when you look at it that way, then you can start to line things up on the table, so to speak, and be like, well, I've got a kitchen knife. I guess I could go take lessons in like, you know, Filipino knife fighting. Um, I've got, you know, I could go to the gym and learn jujitsu. I could learn boxing. I could learn, you know, make myself into a more knowledgeable, uh, creature that, that in and of itself means that I'm the tool. A gun is another item. Um, ultimately I think that when you're a human who knows more, who has more capabilities, I think all those things are viable and, and valuable things to know. Um, and so the more knowledge and skills that you have, really, you, you see yourself as the weapon and it doesn't matter whether it's bear spray or a gun or a knife or a baseball bat, ultimately you are the weapon. Okay. So what, what are, okay. No, this is very, this is fascinating to me because, um, and it's just weird because I saw a TikTok this morning of a guy in Seattle who had his house home invaded and he was on the phone. It was a 911 call, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a 911 call and he was hiding in his bedroom and he ended up shooting the intruder. Um, so I'm always curious as to those are things that you never think you're going to happen to you and then they do. So right. what what are the things that we all should be doing um, to protect ourselves better? So, so, um, after you've kind of accepted the fact that like, those are things that really could happen. Um, and again, I'm not advocating for anybody to be walking around, uh, afraid all the time. It's just that like, you know, have a realistic understanding of, of the risks that are, that are around us in society and also the trends that are occurring. I think we all can look at like crime rates going up. So anyways, some of the things that you can do is, um, if you think about security in terms of control, it's one of the words that I used earlier, but like really what I'm looking to do is to control my environment and to control the situation. Mm-hmm. So I, I can create that control in the environment by allowing myself to understand someone's intent from a greater distance. So like in your situation that you mentioned with your house, so you've got a, let's say you've got a fence at the edge of your property. And maybe in your situation, your fence doesn't go all the way around your house. And that's okay. At least you know that. But you know that like if you let's say for a second that you enhance that fence and you put it around your whole property. Yeah. So probably you also know that like I could climb your fence 
I can crawl sure. under your fence yeah. and I can probably cut through your fence. So right. sometimes you might feel like, oh, well, the fence doesn't really offer me anything that's valuable. However, here's the thing. If I'm up to, if I'm a good person and I am welcome, or maybe I'm just going to knock on your door and ask you if you want to buy some Girl Scout cookies. Um, so I'm probably going to go where the fence guides me. And so you can see, you can control access to your property more. And so you can see me walking up your, um, up your walkway and you can be like, oh, that person looks like they're here for, you know, a reasonable thing to knock on my door. That's okay. But if you saw me climbing your fence or you saw me cutting through your fence, you immediately know my intention from a greater distance. So the fence is an, is an item that it's not about keeping people out. It may have a benefit of delaying me, but the greatest benefit that it provides you with is that you get to know my intent way before you would have. In other words, I, I bet you'd like to know that at the edge of your fence line it, in it, uh, versus right at your front door where you open the door and you're like, I well, don't know. Are, right, are yeah. you up to no good? Do you want to hurt me? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we have, I, I mean, we have this property that has, um, I, I say this in, in all sincerity, we have a property that has one of the best pools in town. So we have a lot of parties and we have a lot of people here. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, you know, it has been a thought like, you know, we have a lot of parties, we have a lot of people here. People know who's, you know, about this pool. So mm -hmm. um, it, this is, this I was actually very much looking forward to this conversation because it is something that we have to think about and consider. And I think it goes beyond locking our doors at night, right? Like sure. really kind of figuring that out because I mean, you can mm -hmm. kick a door in, right? Yeah. Not now, so think about it like this. So we talked for a minute about a fence and now you just mentioned your door. So really what you're, you're kind of drawing a picture. If you think about it, you're, you're already drawing a, uh, a theoretical picture that has like layers sort of like an onion has right and in the security world we call it either uh, rings of security or layers of security but the idea is um is like i mentioned the understanding the intent of a person right so if i know that if i know that security ultimately is about um control controlling my environment i know it's about controlling the situation i know that that comes down to understanding the intent of an individual if there's you know security is all about um, intentional harm. If someone, if someone accidentally hurts me, that's not security, but if somebody intentionally is trying to hurt me, now I have security involved in trying to stop that from happening. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to interrupt yeah, real quick. So you're actually yeah. talking about there, the difference between security and safety, right? Like Correct. if I'm, if I'm driving Correct. around without my seatbelt on, that might not be very safe, but that's not a security right. issue. I'm that's not right. worried about someone trying to attack me. That's right. In fact, I might be more secure because I can jump out of the car faster without my seatbelt. Yeah. And that's actually a good point because there are certain situations from like a military perspective that you might be in a situation where you're in a vehicle and you choose for that particular situation not to put your seatbelt on because the security situation in that environment may be, it may be such a great risk that the chance for the safety issue is actually reduced. And so now you're gonna you're gonna balance that by Oh, did we lose Ariel? It looks like it. But um, it was still a brilliant point that he was making. Yeah. Um, oh, there, 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 there. We, we lost Sorry, you for sorry a about that. There. 
Yeah, yeah, we had a we had an issue here with the the cell. I, I'm on my phone because uh, whatever. It's okay because you need to be able to cut and run at any moment, right? Like, That's right. Yeah, I can just grab computer, my phone and go. It wouldn't be as secure. You're like, I can run with my phone and I, I can be secure and still finish out the show. We appreciate. Man, I could be like right. I could be running like this. Well, and- <laughs> <laughs> Ariel, I got. I I just want to switch gears for a second from you know, personal home safety to like being safe out in the real world. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if the world's getting more dangerous or it's getting safer. I just, I, I can't tell. And the reason why I can't tell is because, you know, back when and whenever when was access to information wasn't as, um, robust, right? Like there was no social media, there was no internet, um, right things like that. So like crime, um, everything I have read is that the world is actually a slightly safer place because of that access to information, um, cameras, things, things like that. Um, and that actually back in like, for example, the 60s, 70s, the world was a much more dangerous place. We just didn't hear about it as much because news didn't travel as fast. Um, do you find that true? Not true? Um, no, I think there's something to what you're saying. I think that, you know, I'm reluctant to be a, uh, to be a person out there waving a sign that says the world is going to end tomorrow. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that there've been a lot of people like that all through history and they've always been wrong. Um, Uh (laughs) so, so with that said, I don't know that we're better off today than, um, than we were, uh, you know, a year ago, I think that there are, there are problems within the environment. There's always problems in the world. Right. But I think if you look, let's say, um, people will talk about how kids playing video games is the reason that kids are more violent right now. And there's like school shootings and it's, and they'll blame video games. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that, that violent video games are, um, are a good thing for anybody's brain. But I also think that like, I've been in the middle East a lot. Um, I spent a long time there. There are tribes of people who raise goats and have never seen a video game. And, um, but they're very violent, very, very violent. And so like human beings, mammals and mammals can be a violent, violent creatures and humans can be very violent creatures. Now is the world a, a worse place today than it was in the 1500s? I'll bet not. I'll bet it's a much better and a much safer place today than it was in the 1500s. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we also have, you know, is it a more dangerous place in the United States, in your community today than it was five years ago? That may be the case, too. It may be. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, we I, I moved to Puerto Rico um, from Cal- Southern California. And when I moved to Southern California, it was um, incredibly safe. You didn't have to, like, lock your doors or anything like that in the, in the area that I was in. I wasn't in L.A. or San Diego or anything like that. But, um, at, at you know, the years leading up to me leaving, my car got broken into multiple times. And I lived in a relatively suburban rural area. And as a matter of fact, my car got broken into in my driveway and I lived at the end of a cul-de-sac with only four houses in it on the edge of town that hit, you know, that was, it It was a neighborhood, but we hit, um, you know, uh, farms. The minute you walked out of my neighborhood, you were like in farmland. So that was kind of, kind of 
you know, scary and our, our, our mailboxes were constantly being broken into and things like that. So, um, yeah, that made me kind of pause quite a bit before right. leaving. And, um, I don't know, I feel like people almost feel entitled to take from others, whether it's life or property or, you know, um, yep. sense of security. Right. Um, and, yep. and, and, and that leads me to like, you know, that's the United States. Right. But let's talk about travel for a second. I recently had my 15 year old son ask me if he could take a trip to Cuba by himself. And I said, no, was that the right answer? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know your son, but, mm -hmm. Um, every, again, every situation might be different, but I can't imagine, you know, allowing a, a I think that a 15 year old, generally speaking, doesn't necessarily have the, the life experience. And I think that, you know, when you get back to in, in let's put it this way in my industry and in my experience, um, political correctness has no place. Oh, because God. we're talking about life and death and you find out real fast if your theories are accurate or not. And it doesn't matter if you like it, it doesn't matter if it feels good or not, it just is. Mm -hmm. And so, so generally speaking, a 15 year old doesn't have the kind of life experience that it takes to travel almost anywhere on their own. Okay. Safely. Okay. Um, I think that Cuba has, I've been to Cuba. Um, I enjoyed it, but I, listen, I, I feel more confident. I'll use the driving analogy again. Would you let him drive in any environment, anywhere in the world? Maybe not. He's yeah. 15. Yeah. I don't even know if he's got a license yet. So yeah. like, yeah. So like, if he doesn't have the ability to drive in Manhattan safely, then maybe he doesn't have the ability to travel internationally safely. Right. Right. No. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So um, I, I want to circle to something a little bit different because we, we brought this up briefly when we were talking to your wife um, and we were talking mostly about the Global Action Institute that you mm -hmm. guys created and how great that organization is. And I would recommend people go back and watch that episode um, and we'll put it in the show notes as well. Uh, but awesome. but She's really Jillian, cool. Um, she is really cool. Yeah, she's a great person, and yeah. and uh, and I I said this to her at the time too. I, I love both of you so much. I'm so so happy to to call you both friends. But so um, so the the thing is, like on that episode, Jillian talked about the um, school that she works with, uh, a small private school here in Puerto Rico, and um, about how there was a. Um, security situation at one of the local schools that overflowed to where they came to realize that they really didn't have a good active shooter plan for her school. And I know this is something that you're well versed in. Um, yeah. And and to, to catch you up, you know, your, your wife's answer was like, yeah, you need to plan that. <laughs> like, but, but like, but like, you know, for you, like, I mean, in, in that situation, if you're dealing with a small outdoor school, because that's the setting, right? Jillian's right. school, the kids, literally, they're in, like, covered tents, basically, but, like, open-air environment outside. Um, what what should people do in those situations? Like, what, what kinds of things? Like, and I, I said this to you when I first met you, like, ever since seeing the, like, 
um, the Aurora, California, like shooting in the movie theater. When I go to a movie theater, I always make sure I'm like closer to the emergency exit. And also I know like, I don't want to be in the front row. Cause like if I have to hide behind a movie seat, when someone's shooting, I'd rather be behind the seat so they can't see me. Right. Like, like that's I my, love that. Every that time is, I go I, into that, Now movie, that's implanted in my brain. Now I'm going to like, that's implanted. Pay attention. But that, yeah. but that is the first line of security, right? Like I think the yeah. first line of security for me in any environment is to be aware of the environment I'm in and to have a plan of what I'm going to do should the stuff go sideways. Now, it's not about being paranoid. I don't sit in the movie theater like constantly watching the door and not enjoy the movie because like the chance of a random shooter coming into a movie theater is actually very, very small in the US. It's actually very small everywhere in the world, right? Like it's just not likely to occur. But at the same time, those people in that theater all die. Yeah. Right. I think one person survived. Like and the person that survived was hiding in a three quarters of the way back behind a seat. So where do I want to be? I want to be three quarters of the way back. So I can hide behind a seat where people aren't going to see me because it's dark. Like that's my first line of defense, in my opinion. Now, mm-hmm. what about in, in those kinds of situations where you're outside of your home, you're outside of your business and you're, you know, you're just out in the world and something goes wrong. What do you do? All right. So, um, so whenever I think about these types of scenarios, my mind always goes back to principles. Um, and the reason that I like to, to think through principles is because if you understand the principles, then any scenario you can paint, you just fit the principles in and, and it spits out an answer for you. So principally speaking, if you are, if you're under attack, there are two there are two different kinds of responses that need to occur. There's a defensive response and there's an offensive response. It's just natural, right? Like a violent attacker is going to stop in one of two ways. Either he's going to decide to stop or somebody's going to stop him. If somebody stops him, that means that was an offensive response. They went toward the threat and they stopped him. So in your scenario, you're probably not looking at yourself as the offensive responder. If you're, and it's important by the way to know, like, am I gonna run toward the threat or am I gonna run away from the threat? Sure, if I had a gun on my hip, I might feel different, right? Like, right. But like if right. someone's shooting at me and I don't have a gun, yeah. I'm probably gonna run away. Like, yeah, I think that that's a smart, that's probably a smart first uh, first reaction. No, no, there are, <laughs> obviously there are differences, right? I think like yeah, yeah. If, if I'm in a situation where someone's shooting into a crowd and they're right yeah. next to me and I could tackle them, Maybe right. that is the right choice, right? Like, because I'm right. not going to be able to run away. I start running away, I'm going to get yeah. shot in the back, right? That's right. Like, That's right. So, but just generally speaking, understanding that, like, okay, if I'm in a bad situation like that, I know that there are only two answers. Either, either I'm going to respond offensively or I'm going to respond defensively. If I know already that, like, oh, I'm not the guy carrying a gun, I don't have the skills to respond offensively, and and especially if I was in a situation where I'm you know, 15, 20, 30 feet away from the problem. So then the right answer is to probably respond defensively. Defensive means I have to either get myself away from the threat or I have to keep the threat from getting to me. And those are two, those are two, it sounds maybe like the same thing, but those are two different things. And what you said, hide behind the, you know, in the dark behind the chair. So that really is doing something to keeping, keep the threat from getting to you. Um, running out the exit, like you said, you sit next to an exit, man, that means that you're aware that like the other possibility is keep, get yourself away from the threat. So either evacuate, getting yourself away from the threat or 
lock down or you know take cover that is keep the threat from getting to you in both of those situations you have to also be aware of like what's going on where is the guy if i don't know where the guy is which is possible inside of a, a movie theater or any kind of a scenario where you're indoors it can be very confusing so if you don't know where he is then you know he's not here so it's probably good to just Locked down, like when I say locked down, I don't mean that you, you may, again, in a movie theater, let's say, um, maybe you can't lock a door. It doesn't mean that you don't get down low and hide and reassess the situation. That's a form of locking down. And then you might learn more information like, oh, the guy's right over there. That means I'm going to go that way and run away. Make sense? Yes. So I feel like trying to simplify these things is really important, especially for, for the, well, any, any ordinary person who's not thinking about this on a regular basis. You know, I tell my kids, it's just one of two things. Either ask yourself, is it more safe out there or is it more safe in here? If it's more safe out there, go out there. If it's more safe in here, stay here. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, and I guess these decisions are just things you have to make at the time. Like you really don't, you can't, you can't plan every single possible scenario. You can't. Um, yeah. So we do have to wrap up here in a second. So I want to, before we get too far, like, so tell us a little bit about the Draco group and um, Dra Draco okay. group is how you pronounce it, I think. And like, yeah. Tell, yeah. tell either way, whatever you think, just tell us about that. Like what you do, like what, what people should uh, be reaching out to you and why that kind of stuff. All right. Well, I mean, ultimately, uh, we do a lot of different things. We, I always joke, people ask me that, I say we solve problems, um, specifically security-related problems. But, you know, our, uh, our clientele are often um, ultra-high net worth families. We build out um, high-level, uh, kind of like an artistic security program for their entire life. Um, their homes, their lives, their boats, their, you know, whatever it is that they have and need and want to be able to move. Um, we build out security programs like that also for big corporations. Uh, man, we work as consultants. So like we come in and, and help people to answer those questions through that principle-based system. And, you know, normally we're not the check the box kind of people. We're more like building a, um, an artistic security lifestyle. I think that's excellent. Jillian, do you have any more questions before we wrap up here? Uh, we can't hear you. I think you're muted, actually. So Yeah, actually, uh, I do have a question. I'm wondering where the name Draco Group came from, because all I ever think about when I think of Draco, I think of Draco Malfoy from, uh, from Harry Potter. Harry Potter, <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I went uh, totally Rocky Four on that, actually. Oh, all right. Good morning. So uh, it's neither of those. Um, actually, it was so, you know, I spent a lot of time in the Israeli military. I, um, I'm Jewish. I started the company when I was overseas. And I've worked in a lot of places in the world where it wasn't necessarily friendly for, um, for somebody like me to be working. Um, when I started the company, it was, it was kind of in the forefront of my mind that I wanted something that was not an overtly Israeli or Jewish uh, word that uh, we could work anywhere in the world that it, it's a word that can be said in any language and pronounced properly in any language it looks good written oh, wow. it, 
Yeah. It's got uh, hard consonants and um, and it's short and simple and it has a strong meaning. So. Wow. That's awesome. Oh, I love that. That's a, that's a great. So trick. we need to hire him for branding in the future too. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? like, no, we, we already security knew you were an expert at yeah, security, but, but I didn't know branding. that you had this other talent. Um, <laughs> so fantastic stuff. Okay. You know what? So great having you on. I actually would love to continue the conversation in the future as always. And I can't wait to see you again and your, tell your lovely wife I said hello. That's and with really that, really. Jillian, would you like to take us out? Yes, thank you so much. RL, we'll be right back. I told you he was amazing. Jeff, I am not secure. I'm just going to throw it out there. Oh, I, I know that. But, but I mean, you do have these levels of security, right? First, to get to your place, you have to go up a really steep hill. That's, that, that's the, the first line of security. Probably, that's like the big, that might be the most secure fence. part about it. Like the part of your house without a fence, like it's hard to climb that hill. Like that's difficult. It's, it's, a, right. it's a physical barrier, right? right. So I, I know that you're more secure than you think. Plus you have locks on your door. Plus you have dogs. Mm -hmm. Plus you can always throw a kid or two at, at whatever's coming and hope it works <laughs> out. Uh, I think, I'll, I think I'll, I'll forego that last one. That seems like a good strategy actually. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, listen, I mean, um, security is one of those things that we don't think about until we need it. And that's why I thought it was a really good idea to bring Ariel on today, because um, I think it's something that every one of our audience members needs to think about occasionally. Like, I know it sounds facetious when I say I like pick my seat in the movie theater for security reasons, but I, I literally have done that for 20, 15 or 20 years now. And I go to the movies two or three times a week for years. I haven't in the last, since COVID, I'd go way less. But, um, but, but I really do think that way because I'm like, I don't really want to die. And it's just, it takes me two seconds to make that decision. And, and, and two seconds is nothing. Like I'm going to be sitting there in the dark anyway. Why not sit in the dark in a slightly more secure place? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and that's how I look at security in general. And that's why I wanted to have Ariel on. And that's why, um, I'm going to keep making him come back until we're all much more secure. So hopefully. Well, no, okay I actually that. thought it was a great, a great, he was a great guest because it is something that on this podcast, you normally wouldn't hear about, but it is so, like, if we're trying to live the best versions of our last life ever, we should be definitely living them more securely. Right. That's and, exactly and how I feel about those it. things. Yeah. Cause I take unreasonable risks sometimes. And I will say this, the older I get, the less risks I take. Um, Which just, is ironic because actually the older we get, we have less to lose, right? Because like we have right. less potential future life, but we also become wiser from our life experience. So like I, um, and, and you know, we have to wrap up again, like we're always going long now, but, but like yeah. from my perspective, I think it's all about mitigating risk. I think this is the secret to life in general. Like look at the situation you're in and figure out what reasonable steps you can do to mitigate the risk of security threats, the risk of health threats, the risk of, of safety issues, the, the risk of bad investment decisions, you know, all of this stuff. It's all about looking at the total picture and saying like, how do I get what I want, which is a safe, happy, secure, like best version of my life with the least amount of risk that something disrupts that? And this is just one element of it. We got to reduce the risk. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, as always, it's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. And I want to 
let everyone know I'm really happy that they're watching their 74th hour in a row of the show because they've been binge watching since the beginning of time. And I, I just thought I'd share that with you since you have you to know, watch now. You have to watch all 74 yeah. hours to get that inside joke. Yes, because right. it was peppered throughout one of our previous episodes. Yes. And if you're still listening, I want to remind you to live the very best version of your last life ever.